Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. We're 26 days into 2023, and the United States has already suffered 40 mass shootings. That's a Thursday morning. And California, a state with some of the nation's toughest gun laws, has suffered three mass shootings in less than a week. In Monterey Park, California on Saturday, a man with a gun killed 11 people and injured nine. California Governor Gavin Newsom spoke at a press conference on Monday. Only in America. And we're better than that. We're supposed to be leading the world, not just responding to these mass crises and expressing damn prayers and condolences over and over and over again. I said this how many times? I've done so many of these. reason I haven't done all the damn press conferences yesterday, I was here the whole day, is I can't do those again. I can't keep doing them. Saying the same thing over and over again. I mean, it's insane. And then... There were two more mass shootings in California later that day. In Half Moon Bay, a man killed seven people and injured one. And in Oakland, another armed individual killed one person and injured seven people in a shooting at a gas station that night. According to the Gun Violence Archive, so far this year, in these 26 days of January, there have been nearly 3,000 gun-related deaths. That's a number that includes death by suicide, homicide, defensive, and unintentional shootings. So what can we do about it? I'm joined now by Igor Volsky, Executive Director of Guns Down America. Welcome to The Takeaway, Igor. Thanks for having me, Melissa. So what can we do about it? Well, it's uh, it's not an easy problem. Uh, it's not an easy problem in a country with 400 million guns, where guns are so accessible, and where you now have a Supreme Court that just last year expanded the definition of the Second Amendment to make gun violence prevention laws all that much more difficult to sustain. So there are certainly things we can do, things we know that work, uh, things that have saved so many lives in countries around the world. But the question moving forward is how many of those laws, whether they be background checks or banning assault weapons or requiring licenses before people purchase firearms, how many of those laws will actually be sustained over the long term? Now, Igor, normally I'm a law and policy kind of girl. Like I'm a political <laughs> scientist. You know, I, I believe in hearts and minds and all that, but I'm really like, okay, show me the policy. But I got to say on this one, we're not talking about Chicago, which has fairly powerful gun laws, but is, you know, sitting right next to Indiana, right? And and so the, those guns are coming across. We're talking about California. It's a huge state. It dominates the West Coast. Its neighbors have fairly reasonable gun laws, and it has some of the most reasonable gun laws in the country. And we're talking about three mass shootings in a week. Can law and policy actually make a difference here? 
Well, I think the answer is is yes. Uh, that even though California had all of these uh, shootings, generally, when you look, when you kind of zoom out and look at the data, California has a very low gun violence rate. In fact, we know that states with the toughest gun laws have the lowest rates of gun violence. And so it still holds true, even though, uh, you know, we're, we're now suffering through uh, these horrible, horrible tragedies. Uh, and on this issue, you know, even, even the smallest changes, even what the president signed into law last year, which were relatively modest reforms, those things will save lives. Even changes on the margins on this issue have a big impact. And I'm sure, Melissa, that the strong laws in California have saved thousands, if not millions of lives over their lifetime. Is this in part because we do focus in on the the mass shootings? And so we go trying to legislate in ways that will stop those, but that most gun violence, I hate to use this word, is more routine and more intimate than that? Yeah, most gun violence is suicides. Most gun violence is cyclical, interpersonal gun violence. And those are the rates that are lower. These mass shootings, while we do know that when there's less access to assault weapons, when there's less access to the kinds of magazines that allow you to kill as many people as quickly as possible, uh, the shootings, the mass shootings are less deadly. So that we know, and by the way, we know that from examples here in the United States, and we know that internationally, where uh, so many of our peer nations have done such a good job in reducing gun deaths because they made their guns so much harder to get. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a model that we should follow. What about making guns so much harder to make or so much less profitable to make? Is there a way, instead of going at the consumer, the household who has a Second Amendment right, um, there isn't a Second Amendment a right to produce guns. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is where I think a lot of the policy focus should, uh, sh- should really stay, right? We know that over the last decade, the industry earned about $1.7 billion in revenue on the sale of assault weapons. That's just assault weapons. Um, and they can do that because they're fairly lightly regulated. The products that they produce don't go, uh, don't undergo any kind of consumer testing. So they can produce incredibly dangerous products with very few safety standards. That's a big problem. The industry, uh, as so many of your listeners know, has a liability shield around it. So you can't sue it for knowingly producing and distributing uh, those products, marketing those products to children. So there are so many ways that I think we should start regulating um, what the industry produces, who the industry advertises to, and the kind of products it's allowed to bring to market. We really have to start at the top. Can we talk about police for a moment? I I suppose I'm always a bit surprised that law enforcement um, isn't the kind of the strongest lobbyist for stricter gun laws. Surely, surely this has made the the access to guns, the, um, the level of violence that can be done with them. Surely this has made the job of law enforcement harder. 
It has absolutely. Uh, and you all the time see law enforcement outgunned. Uh, all the time, uh, you see law enforcement, um, uh, you know, uh, feel like uh, at any point because of a country that's saturated with firearms at any point, their life is at risk. And even though you do have pockets of law enforcement, particularly in more conservative areas, resist change, right? We see headlines all the time about different sheriffs refusing to enforce this law or that law. You do have uh, coalitions of law enforcement supporting um, these kinds of changes, particularly getting very powerful weapons off the street. You know, just very recently when we had the debate over uh, uh, over confirming uh, a permanent director to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, the only body in the federal government that regulates the industry, you did have a lot of law enforcement voices come together and call uh, for such a permanent director to really ensure that we're properly tracking crime guns that were overseeing the industry um, to the to the best of, 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 of what is allowed under current law. So there are voices out there, I think a lot of them in the law enforcement community that want to see changes. It's just as is kind of often the case on this issue, some of the um, loudest voices uh, represent a small number uh, of of kind of more conservative folks who don't want to see any changes, right? Who believe that your right to own a firearm outweighs the need uh, for safety for anybody else. All right, quick break. We're back and talking about the American epidemic of gun violence right after this. This week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, Jerry Seinfeld on making a life in comedy. This is a writer's game. If you can write, you succeed. If you can't, you will not make it. Any comedian can be funny on stage, but the bullets are the writing. Jerry Seinfeld on his film Unfrosted and more. That's the New Yorker Radio Hour from WNYC Studios. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with Igor Volsky, executive director of Guns Down America. Congress took days to choose a leader of, of their own majority party. Is there any reason to think that the federal government through Congress can make change here? Well, look, the president, uh, who, as you know, ran on one of the most robust gun violence prevention platforms we've ever seen, who's done a lot of really significant work uh, during his first two years, uh, really has a lot he can do. Uh, he can open, for instance, an office of gun violence prevention to ensure that the federal government is coordinating uh, this work across the government in the same way that we do with, with climate change. Uh, there's a series of executive actions he can put forward, including banning the the importation of assault weapons. Um, and so, you know, I'm certainly hopeful that at the State of the Union next month, he announces a lot of these changes, announces a comprehensive plan. And then, you know, Melissa, given the- Wait, wait, I want to yep. stop you for one second, Igor, because I, 
I, I hear what you did there. I was like, can Congress do it? And you were like, let me tell you about the president. See this president guy. So is that a no sure. that we should let not me, expect Congress to do a thing on this? Let me tackle Congress because, Melissa, I never say no. You know, the way I'm able to work on this issue with, with so many great people in our movement is because we always say, yes, we can. And, and yes, we will. Right. Nobody could have predicted, certainly not me, that we would have been able to make the progress we did last year, right, with what Congress passed. Of course, now the math is more difficult. But what I do think is that we have a majority in the Senate that wants to see stronger gun laws. I think there's a lot they can do to fight, to try and attach gun violence uh, prevention laws to must-pass legislation, right? So that there are, there are things um, and strategies, I think, that can be pursued. The House is obviously a lot harder, but the House also has very tight margins. Um, and so maybe uh, there's some opportunity uh, to, as part of a larger compromise, to get enough um, kind of more moderate, I guess, Republicans, maybe some of them from New York with their new seats in New York, to try and see uh, how you can you can move legislation. But it's going to take a lot of will. It's going to take a lot of organization, particularly from champions of gun violence prevention in Congress, who, Melissa, as you know, and so many of your listeners know, over the last couple of decades, um, have left a lot of fight on the table. And I think the message that so many survivors across the country have is that they really have to fight every single day uh, for this issue uh, and never say never. These tragedies are going to continue to happen in communities red and blue. And just like you saw Republicans voting for bipartisan reform last year, because so many of them said, you know, we've had enough particularly when it comes to our communities. Um, I always think change is possible. Igor Volsky is executive director of Guns Down America. Anywhere, I appreciate you bringing a ray of hope for us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Melissa. 